What a great way to wake up. With a cup of logic, reason, and common sense. Welcome to the Independence Morning View. Let's get to it. Good morning to you wherever you are in the world. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm joined this morning by Bruce Adams. Good morning, Bruce. How are you this morning? Good morning. Uh, healthy alive. Uh, life continues, yeah, even even with the COVID lockdowns. Oh, yes. Yeah, we're going to go over some of the uh, the wonderful uh, lockdown procedures this afternoon. And I, I learned something new today. I learned that COVID-19 has, has a schedule. It, it's on a timetable, as in it knows exactly when it wants to come out and be the most vicious, as opposed to any other time throughout the day. That's that's why we have to have the curfew. So yeah, I, I learned that, that that's what that's all about because the virus knows when it turns 10 p.m. It knows. So anyway, yeah, we're going to go over some of that stuff today. We're going to go over your state, my state, well, my home state, and some other things that are that are happening around. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Phil Murphy. Yeah, the uh, the governor of um, New Jersey. You know, the guy that said he calls up Jardin, or Car- Jardin, Cardinal Joe Tobin when he needs to override the Constitution, that guy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he, he got caught at a restaurant, so he's he's pulling a Gavin Newsom, except he wasn't exactly at a French laundry. He was um, he was out amongst the public, and that probably wasn't the best choice for him to make. By the way, don't governors get security, don't they? Yeah, they do. Where was the security? That's a good question. I mean, he's he's in a restaurant. I mean, you can tell it's busy. I saw the video. You can tell it's busy. The guy's being heckled all around. There's no security. I mean, I would have expected him to be at, you know, a fancy place. Not um, well, not they defunded it. That's why. Oh, right, right, right. Well, see, they they still get their security, but you don't. You, you right. don't like Minneapolis. I mean, they, they get private security, but you, you don't. You get a social worker and a box of Kleenex. That's what you get. Anyway. All right. Uh, this morning, a few things. Uh, climate change uh, on the climate change front, of course. I mean, we, we talk about things that are very prevalent to our way of life here on the morning show. And uh, Harrison Ford, you know, the of course, the big actor, everybody knows him. You know, the Star Wars guy, you know, what's his name? Uh, Han Solo from Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all that stuff. He's been a climate change alarmist for the last few years. Yeah. I mean, he's he's always he's always been, uh, you know, we, we got to do this to reduce our carbon footprint. We got to do this. We got to do that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he is he's seen landing a private jet to pick up his son ahead of Thanksgiving. Uh, just, I mean, just throwing that out there. Harrison Ford, he's spoken publicly about the perils of climate change. Yeah, that nauseam about this stuff because it's it's so serious. You got to take this so seriously. Was reportedly seen landing his private jet to pick up his son ahead of Thanksgiving. Hmm. Doesn't that seem kind of hypocritical? I mean, what, what is it with these all these uh, hypocritical reports the last few days? What is that? Like the, the guy from YouTube, Bono or whatever his name is, you know, you know, what I'm talking about. OK, mm-hmm. so he a big climate change guy. Right. Big climate change guy. we got to reduce our carbon footprint. You know, we got to do all this stuff. we got to uh, shut down everything. Oddly enough, how that's happening. Right. we got to shut down everything in order to uh, in order to fight climate change. He puts on a performance in South Africa, flies to the UK in his private jet, realizes he forgot his hat. So he flew all the way back just to get it. It's good for the planet. Right. It's good for that carbon footprint. Hey, I mean, uh, as far as legitimately, you got the money to do it. Have at it. But um, when you're being a hypocrite, you know, typically I'm not against people that have the money. You got money. You got the wealth to do that kind of thing. All right. Well, you know, fine. You know, good on you. But uh, when you're out there, as you're saying, 
your your climate change activists. Um, that's when we want to point out the hypocrisy. I mean, you have to. You have to. How dare you? You've got to point it out. You have to point that out. Raiders of the Lost Ark star, right, Indiana Jones, was snapped disembarking from the plane in Boston on Saturday to pick up his son from college for the holiday break. The actor appeared to disregard the CDC's uh, recommendation that Americans avoid traveling for Thanksgiving due to the coronavirus. Well, I mean, tell that to all those thousands of people at O'Hare International Airport that are flying that we're not social distancing that we talked about yesterday. Harrison Ford recently received clearance to fly again from the Federal Aviation Administration after an incident. Okay, well, but he got... You know, the okay from the FAA to fly, of course. Uh, He's been a vocal climate change activist, trashing the U.S. under Trump, under the Trump administration and praising the Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg. How dare you? The climate crisis is real, he says. The weight of scientific evidence is overwhelming. He said that in Time magazine back in October. But evidence can be ignored. It can be manipulated. Leaders who choose to make climate change a divisive issue do it to protect the entrenched economic interests who profit from behavior that destroys our planet. It's selfish. It's short-sighted. It needs to stop. This stuff is going to kill us. You don't seem to care too much when you have to go pick up your kid in your own plane. Doesn't seem to bother you. Hypocrites. Every last one of them. Anyway, Bruce, good question here. Is there life on Mars? Define life. Well, anything. I mean, we're talking cellular, uh, you know, d- down at the uh, cellular level, you know, bacterial, any, anything like that. I mean, is there life on Mars? Do you th- do, let me ask you this. Do you think that there is life on Mars? Again, I would say define life because personally, I define life pretty okay. generally vaguely. Don't, so right. yes, I would don't, say yes. Don't define it by a Democrat standard, okay? <laughs> don't don't well, define it by... I, I have a pretty vague... Okay, so... When I, when I say I'm, I'm pretty open. So, for example, our planet, our planet's alive. Yes. But not I'm not talking about the surface of the planet or, or the things living on the planet. To the moon, I would say the moon is alive. In what context? So in a very, very general idea, right? Um, when you have geological activity on the moon, for example, uh, it does have geological activity. It does have lava flows. It does um, possess some life there. It's orbiting a planet which is alive. Again, I'm not talking about the life on the surface. I'm talking about the activity that the planet makes itself. Oh, I see. Um, so in a, in a very vague sense, yes, Mars is alive. However, if you're talking about something more on the lines of what we know as carbon-based life... Um, yeah, like take microorganisms, for example. Maybe, maybe. And it, it may honestly be from... From us, I mean, easily the 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 uh, rovers we put up there. Maybe one of the rovers had bacteria on it or something, and now there's life on Mars. Is there life there? Possible? I know they we found water there, right? The possible water up in the the poles underneath the uh, glacial cap thing, whatever. Um, could be life there. I mean, we see life in cave networks here on Earth, or even the um, the lakes underneath um, ice that have been under there for however many years it was, thousands of years. We, we cracked into one here recently and uh, found some of the bacteria inside there. It'd be the same thing there. Do you know what I find fascinating? You can buy like these, um, these little packs of like whatever, or you can get them at like museums and things like that, of these organisms that have been dried out for, I don't know, thousands of years. You put them in water and they start regrowing. That's fascinating yeah. to me. That's <laughs> absolutely fascinating to me. I mean, that, in my opinion, I mean, you could almost consider that life in a, in a way. You can't. Like I said, vague life. I mean, it, it depends on uh-huh. how 
what you consider alive or you know, what do you consider okay. life? F- fair enough. Well, I, and I guess in this sense, I was more referring to like, say, for example, the microorganism aspect or bacteria or, or something of that nature. So a new earthbound study offers more clues on possible life on Mars. And you say, well, okay, well, what does that have to do with anything here? Well, this is interesting. In Chile, in the uh, Atacama Desert, scientists have discovered a living microorganism just 30 centimeters under the surface of literally the driest place on Earth, suggesting that similar life could be found on Mars. If, I mean, our, I mean, technically, you, you might be able to consider it almost the same, maybe, depending, because, I mean, we do... We do know that there are subterranean lakes on Mars. We do know that, as you said, you found them, or we found them underneath the uh, uh, the glacial ice caps, the polar ice caps. The potentially revolutionary thing, which could turn science fiction into fact, was made in the uh, Atacama Desert in northern Chile, west of the Andes. In addition to being considered the driest, it's also one of the oldest deserts on the planet, dating back to an estimated 10 to 15 million years and covering more than 40,500 square miles. So the findings were recently published in the online peer-reviewed science journal Scientific Reports and are based on a study led by researchers from the Astrobiological Center in Madrid, Spain. The study's lead author uh, said that uh, Mars-related research started in the Atacama area in 1967, but really took off after NASA scientists found an area called uh, Yonge, I, I'm sorry, I, that's that's what it is, which mimics the extremely arid conditions found on the red planet. He says the driest part of the area was selected for this team's research, and practically nothing can live there, getting it a, or giving it a close resemblance to conditions on Mars. While digging in the area in 2018, they were surprised to find some wet clay roughly a foot from the surface. Such clay can only be formed after a prolonged period of exposure to water, but it's the driest place on Earth. Another revelation was that at least 30 different microorganic species were living in the area where the wet clay was found. Those species were metabolically active, making it the first discovery of a habit for microorganisms under the ground of the driest place on Earth. If we found something like this on Earth, why couldn't we find something of a similar surprise on Mars? Man has a decent point. Well, not only that, we've kind of talked about them before. Uh, Tardigrades. Tardigrades are um, nearly indestructible. They can live in a vacuum. They can go long periods without uh, food or water. I mean, it's possible you could see something like that. That's um, uh, some kind of uh, bacteria that's n- nearly indestructible or, or some kind of organism. Uh, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's highly possible. Um, if, um, if our theories are, are correct and uh, life started at, uh, from, from a rock, a primordial soup hitting a rock and, you know, as it rained and grew and it evolved from there. If that's accurate, then there could be uh, this primordial goop on multiple planets. It's just never taken off there. We had the right conditions for it to evolve into other life. Which brings me to another story. You talked there about uh, something that's that was hitting of a that causes like this primordial you know, soup, you know, that triggers life or something like that. Uh, what, what's interesting is I, I was reading a story last week and I was reading it about this guy who he became a millionaire because a meteor crashed through his uh, the tin roof of his house. And I know we didn't talk about it, but apparently the makeup that was in this, like the, the, the actual uh, makeup that was in this particular rock, uh, holds some of the keys that actually trigger uh, life. Is that correct? Is, is that so is that what I read? Rich in rich in carbon, uh, probably um, is is probably what it, what they're talking. I about. can't remember. I can't remember the actual thing. But uh, I, okay, so yeah. here it is. After analysis, the meteorite was classified as CM one 
uh, CM1-2 uh, carbonaceous chondrite, an extremely rare find that carries the chemical building blocks believed to have seeded life on Earth in the early solar system. So there you go. So it, it has, uh, that, that is the foundation to some of the amino acids, uh, I believe, uh, what you just quoted there. So basically all carbon life has that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know, either... Maybe maybe that is a, a a seed of life, if you will, or maybe that's a remnant of life. Maybe that's a civilization that was around before, or or not even a civilization. Maybe it was a, a planet or something, and it it started the evolutionary track, if you will, and then uh, an asteroid smashed into it and broke it up, or 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 something, you know, something akin to that, or another planet or a moon or something. We do have rogue planets, if you will, exoplanets that are not bound to an orbit of a star and they they more or less freely travel interstellar space it's possible one of those smashed into another planet or something so i don't know there's a lot of possibilities space is pretty vast so the uh the possibilities are pretty pretty immense yeah and you know i i hate to uh i hate to keep on this what did you what are what do you have this morning what do you got um well let's see i've got a few things um this one it, it's not quite as um it, it's about another another um you know small organism uh, that was that was a reference to Cuomo, by the way. Um, oh, uh, well, by the way, just on a side note, uh, he did get the award. If you were wondering, he did get the award. Oh yeah. Okay. I, I was I was concerned. I, I wasn't sure yeah, he was going to win that one. Yeah, they confirmed it this morning. So yeah, he he did get it. So we, we've kind of been talking about uh, these these COVID lockdowns in, in the past and how it would be nice if people stood up against them and and um, you know well Cuomo was a little little disappointed here recently, a little livid, um, because oh. the Hasidic Jews decided to throw um, a, a large wedding. Oh. And we're talking close to 10,000 people attended. Whoops. Um, yeah. They kept it all on the down low. Um, in the planning process, um, in the planning process, they, um, they didn't do any kind of written invitations. They didn't do any text messages. They didn't do any phone calls. It was all by word of mouth. They just went around and said, hey, you know, you're invited to it, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, so there was no paper trail. And they were able to quietly organize this. And <laughs> Cuomo was only made aware of this after the fact because some of the pictures were circulating on WhatsApp and a quote unquote concerned citizen. That's how he found out was WhatsApp? Someone someone uh, found it on WhatsApp and shared it with them. Yeah. And then they uh, Cuomo so ten, saying that they 10,000 people investigation 10,000 yeah. 10, Jews get together, which good on them, by the way, 10,000 Jews get together and put on a wedding and Cuomo finds about finds out about it on WhatsApp. That's hilarious. Yeah, that was like 14 days ago or so. So yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Happened on the 8th. Obviously, the, the, the governor has passed a law. Oh, that, um, oh yes, that's the law. He said, "Yeah, yeah." Um, he he basically was calling the gathering a blatant disregard of the law, and he Whoops. demands an investigation into all this. Whoops! Are we going to get an investigation into the uh, the nursing home deaths under your administration? Right? Oh no, he's been he's been cleared of that one. They did an oh, investigation. Right. Yeah, he was an exonerated. Yeah, he was sponsored. Ex yes, he was exonerated on that. I, excuse me. I, I where are my manners? Where are my manners? So. Uh, the video and pictures I've seen of this, the synagogue is shoulder to shoulder. They've got like, we'll say, we'll say bleacher seating, if you will, how it's organized. And four or five, it looks like maybe 12, 12 or 14 rows 
on on the bleachers and they're jam packed. What the question? Jam packed. Question: Where where's the media on this? Calling this a, uh, a know, super spreader event and irresponsible and all that stuff. Where, where's the media? This one, honestly, I'm really surprised Cuomo is even addressing this one. Well, he's just uh, bringing attention to it. He that's he's all he's doing. Attention to it, and, and and he's saying there needs to be an investigation. But uh, keep in mind, these are these are Jewish community. And yeah. some of these lockdown restrictions that you're doing are very akin to what the Nazis did. Yeah. Um, kind of, you, you don't want to bring attention to this, Cuomo. Just saying. If we actually had, if, honestly, in this case, if we actually had a Justice Department at the federal level that would enforce hate crime laws, de Blasio and Cuomo would be in handcuffs over this. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the governor demanded that the city conduct an investigation into the massive wedding. Um, you, you notice, and I asked, you know, maybe I asked a question there that may, I must have, maybe I was meaning it uh, subconsciously, maybe I was meaning it uh, rhetorically. Where's the media on that? The media is not covering protests over here in Europe. They're not covering them at all. Since the uh, the the massive protests, and they're getting bigger, by the way, <laughs> since, they, uh, since they're covering these protests, the media just doesn't show up. And if they do, they say, oh, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists are out there with tinfoil hats talking about how this is all, shut up. Uh, what's what's interesting on this one? Um, there's no consequences for peacefully assembling, especially when it's uh, at a uh, religious event. By the what way, what are they going um, to do? Are they going to go out there and they're going to publicly arrest ten thousand Jews at a wedding? That's not going to look good. <laughs> it's not that definitely look won't look good. What I'm what I'm uh, suspecting they will do is they'll they'll try try to find the um, synagogue they'll, and they'll try yeah. to find the rabbi. Yeah, um, they'll which, go after the rabbi, was, and that's yeah. yeah. This was the rabbi's grandson. Uh, the, the 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 wedding was for. Oh, so that's that why there was why so many. That's why it was so many people. Yeah, yeah that's right. And uh, they were all there. No masks. They were singing. They were dancing. Um, it. I'm I'm sorry. I'm laughing great. on mute because I think it's great. Honestly, I think it's, it's great. great. Good on them. Yeah. It. I, I, yeah. And I. I really hope they stand up to uh, Cuomo. And I hope the American people stand with the, this, this Jewish community for practicing their First Amendment rights. And they should. I, I really hope that they, they support that because I, I don't want to see them, the Karens come out there and say, oh, you're risking people's lives and blah, blah. No, they're, they're following their First Amendment rights. Which I don't have the clip of it handy, but I heard it this morning. There was a um, there was a meeting in I want to say it was in New Jersey. I can't be one hundred percent on that. I want to say it was in New Jersey, and it was private gym owners got together, all of them in the town. They got together and said, "Look, we're losing our our businesses. We're losing our livelihood. We're losing our our lives here. We, we've got to to band together." And some Karens showed up and said, uh, "You know, we're, we're and they were screaming from the back of the room. We're we're asking you to consider the lives of other people. Blah blah blah. You know." And the person who was speaking said, "Okay, yeah, we're considering it, but uh, could you consider our request and take your concerns out into the parking lot, please? Because we don't want you in here." <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, but they are considering other people's lives. Because if their employees are unable to work and make money, they can't buy the food to feed themselves or to pay right. for the housing. So it's going to destroy their lives. So the the damages that are that are going to be incurred by not opening up are going to be far greater than the damages the virus is going to do. The flu, right? We're talking about the flu. It's more virulent, right? More people are going to get it, but the same percentage is going to die. Not true. Not true. And l l let me tell you why that's not true. Because Bruce, if you hadn't noticed, the seasonal flu hasn't showed up this year. Well, I mean, more people are going to get it than the flu is what I meant. Because oh. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. We're, well, yeah. Because yeah, we yeah, aren't okay. counting the flu. We're not counting the flu. Right. I, I was being a little facetious. Right. So. Now, I, I don't want to get to, uh, I mean, I suppose, uh, what the hell. Dr. Fauci, he's back. Uh, and he's wearing two masks now, if you've noticed. He's he's wearing uh, the the regular uh, the the paper mask, and then he's wearing another cloth one over top of that. So he's you know he's he's got it he, doubling he down. Has, he has yeah he's doubling down. Oh, since we're we're talking about uh, uh, COVID, I, I wanted to point out um, you you remember the the debacle Newsom was under about uh-huh. how he went to the restaurant. Well, now he's 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 the victim. What? Now he's a victim. So um, let me get this straight. The restaurant set him up. No, 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 no. It, it's not. It's not that situation. It's he's he's using um, victim his victimhood a little bit. He he's trying to get sympathy. Is, is well, he explained himself. His family, in the press conference. He explained himself. Yeah. Well, but his family was exposed to a state patrol officer who was COVID nineteen positive. So they oh. were exposed. So now they're they're self quarantining and and doing the proper procedures, quote unquote, oh. to ensure they don't, you know, that they're that fortunately their family is is um, negative, uh, but they're still going to self quarantine and. I'm well. I'm I'm glad they're thinking of other people. I, I'm I'm really glad they're thinking of other people. Fauci, yeah. right? Fauci says vaccine skeptics pose a serious threat to public health. He says they don't believe it's real, and that's a real problem. As I said, he's wearing two masks now because he has to because this it, this is so bad right now. This this is the worst we've seen it up to this point, and I, honestly, I, I don't know what people are going to do. Uh, he says many of these people actually don't think that this is a real problem. He also pointed out that many people simply don't accept the fact that a vaccine was developed so quickly. You know, mm. I heard this little worm say it himself. Now, I, I, trust me, I know that there's a lot of red tape around all this stuff and stuff. I, I get it. And I'm not a medical expert or anything like that. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I mean, the only person that we have on around here that is a very uh, well-informed, well-educated individual when it comes to vaccines is GP. And he's not with us today, unfortunately. Uh, he's off on other assignments at the moment. But I heard this little this little scumbag Fauci. I heard him say before a Senate subcommittee, the question posed to him, and I don't have the audio. Damn it, I wish I would have done it, or I wish I would have grabbed it at the time. But the question posed to him was, Dr. Fauci, how long does it take to develop a vaccine? And his answer was very clear. He said, seven years, seven years. Again, I understand there's a lot of red tape. Vaccines are very, very particular when it comes to development. You can't, you can't rush those things. And the question, the next question to him was, and I believe it was a senator from Oregon that was questioning him on it, who was a Democrat, by the way, I'll just throw that out there. But the next question to him was, what is the most successful vaccine that we have ever developed? And his answer, again, Fauci's answer was very clear. He says, well, we've had good success with Zika. The best success rate we have on a Zika vaccine, I think is, I think he even said was 45% at best. And all of a sudden, less than a year, we're at 90%, 95% according to Moderna. Uh-uh. Huh. No. Well, we've talked about that. Uh, it's not 90%. It's uh, they they estimate that the, the um, your antibodies and everything, your immune system yeah, is about 50% effective. Yeah, it'll pick up the rest. And then the vaccine itself is 40% effective. So they're adding the two together. And oh, look at that. We have a vaccine that's 90% effective. The National Institute of Health, which is where Dr. Fauci is a director of, he's not the director, but he's a director of a department of theirs, the uh, I think it's the uh, infectious diseases or whatever, allergy, you know, whatever. Uh, He says that, uh, excuse me, after the NIH, yeah, the NIH has estimated that 75% of the U.S. population would re- would need to receive the vaccine in order to establish herd immunity. How about the fact we've ar- we've already got it? 
Is that, is that we've, cross into anybody's mind? We've seen studies, though, from multiple different uh, uh, universities that have said the the range of herd immunity is 19% to 22% of the population. Uh, that, that's and 80%, really small. And 80% are asymptomatic. Or have minor symptoms, yeah. I think the actual like asymptomatic is like 60% roughly mm-hmm. now at this point. Well, but it's- they've already said it that that uh, back, what was it, July, August? They were saying that the infection rate was um, 10 to 22 times greater than what we knew about. Well, if that's the case, if it's 10 to 22 times greater, that means a lot more people have gotten it and a lot more people didn't know they had it. And the that means that puts the, Yeah. That puts the deaths way down low. That means instead of saying, oh, it's three or five, um, what were we saying in the beginning? 3% in the beginning. And uh, now it's down to what, the 0.14 or whatever it is? I mean, it, it's, it's lower than it's, that. Yeah. And, and so, it, well, if we get the actual numbers from Michigan, New York, New Jersey uh, on their nursing home deaths, well, that number will probably yeah. rise. But yeah, never know those numbers. Anyway, all right, we are going to have to go because we are out of time this morning. So thank you for sitting down this morning, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. For all these topics and more, please check us out later on this afternoon. And I hope everyone has a great morning.